But the Bible says this in Romans 6, 1 through 4. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us are were baptized in Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him uh, through baptism into, into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we, somebody say me, also should walk in the newness of life. Somebody say the newness of life. Revelations 2, 21, verses 5 through 6. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Somebody say he's making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. And to the thirsty, I will give water without cause from the spring of the water of life. God, we thank you today for your word that you have for us, Lord, that all things are new, Lord. Father, we thank you that through the power of your resurrection, Lord, that we can walk in this newness of life. Give us instruction today. Guide us and and, and gird us up for the journey that you have before us. We give you all the praise in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody say amen. Go ahead and slap five with your neighbor and say all things new. Amen, amen, amen. And you can be seated. And so I love it that uh, what Mark said about the spirit of prophecy, because uh, I really feel like this message today is prophetic. That means that God speaks to me so that I can speak it to you. I can give it to you the way that I got it. And today, you know, we're celebrating uh, the love of God, right? We're celebrating how much he loved us, that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that those who would believe would not perish, but they would have what? Everlasting life. We're, We're here to celebrate the sacrifice of a man, the sacrifice of Jesus, who was God, who came in the earth as flesh. And we're here to also celebrate the victory of the cross. You know, the cross was a very grueling place. The cross was a very ugly place. It wasn't beautiful. I don't know if anybody here has ever seen the passion of the Christ, but I don't even believe it. I believe that it was even worse than that. And and they try to depict it on screen, but the cross was not a great, but for us, the cross was an amazing place. The cross was a place of victory. The cross was a place where we lose ourselves and we find him. Amen. And the wonder, and we we're here today to also celebrate the wonder of the resurrection. Aren't you glad that Sunday's here? Come on, how many have been through some Fridays and through some Saturdays and you just want to know, man, am I going to make it through this? But somebody say Sunday's coming, amen? But I'm going to tell you, in the life of a believer, Sunday is here. Come on, in the life of a believer, every day is Sunday. Somebody say every day is Sunday. This is just the day that we choose corporately or as a, as a uh, universal body of Christ to celebrate. But how many know every day is resurrection day? Every day we can get up with power in our hands. Every day we can get up with a sense of purpose and destiny to to live our life for Jesus. Somebody say, praise the Lord. And so as I was just thinking about this, I, I, the first half of this message is just going to be kind of a recap of the gospel. And then the second half, I believe, is going to be prophetic to, I believe I prayed for you. I believe we have prayed as a church. We took the whole week and praised God for you being here. And so I feel like there's a message specifically designed for you. But here the Bible says, how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? And I want to tell you that once we encounter this love of God in our hearts and are confronted uh, with 
this hope. We can live, uh, we, can, we can't live the same way. Once we, our hearts have been confronted with the love and the grace of God, we can't go on living the same way. Aren't you glad you're not living the same way you used to live? Amen. I'm so glad I'm not. We are uh, compelled. Uh, when we experience God's love, we're compelled to, to live for him and also to live for others. How many love that series that we did, Connect and Grow, where we talked about my life. When I connect to him, then I'm able to connect to others. Amen. I'm able to love people like like Christ loves them. And the gospel of grace is a game changer. This, this thing that we call grace, this gospel that we're preaching this morning and all over uh, the world, they're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ today. It's a game changer. I mean, it changed our calendar, right? I mean, there are still wars being fight, fought over the name of Jesus. How many know that? There's still battles being fought because of this one act of this one person. Praise the Lord. Woo! The gospel of grace is a game changer, and this is the good news. And, and let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 through 8, because it gives us the best picture, one of the best pictures in the, in the scriptures about what the gospel is. And the Bible says, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, somebody say, by this gospel. You are saved. Somebody say, I'm saved. Amen. If you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. That means don't believe another gospel. In Galatians, it talks about there's another gospel. And Paul uh, said, who has bewitched you that you would be led astray by some other gospel? But here's the, here's the gospel. And he says, for what I have received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the 12 and after that he appeared to more than 500 come on somebody of the brothers and sisters at the same time most of whom are still living though some have fallen asleep then he appeared to James then to the apostles and last of all he appeared to me also as to one uh, abnormally born so Jesus had already ascended when he revealed himself on the while while Paul was on his way to to murder Christians, uh, Jesus appeared to him. Aren't you glad that Jesus appeared to you while you were on your way to do something that maybe you weren't supposed to do? And we're so grateful for Paul because most of the New Testament comes from him. And so the gospel simply is these three things, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and raised, as the scripture says, and that he appeared to many, and, and, uh, and guess what? He's still appearing. And so the gospel, Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. So when we talk about this other gospel, many times people always tell you what you have to do. But I want to tell you that this, the true gospel, is what he's already done. Have you ever been to a place where people say, well, to do, to be a Christian, you got to do this, do this, do that? It doesn't work that way. To, to be a Christian, our focus is not on what, uh, uh, what I do, but the real gospel focuses on what he has done. Somebody say, what has he done? Amen. He died for you. He rose again. He loves you with an everlasting love. So one focuses on what you do. Come on. And then the real gospel focuses on what he has done. So God, I feel like we'll wait till all of your doing is done so that you can finally come into that place that you can say you did it all. One focuses on getting God's approval and the other on receiving the love of God. Many times you talk to someone and you say, oh, you're, you're a believer. They say, yeah, I read the Bible every day. I have a devotion at three o'clock and at four o'clock and at eight o'clock 
o'clock, I pray, and this and that. But the gospel is not about you getting approval from God, but the gospel is simply receiving his love. How many know when you love him, you're going to read his word? When you love him, you're going to want to come to church. When you love him, you're going to want to worship him. It's not about what you do, but it's about what he has done. Somebody say amen to this. This is good news. Are you guys here today? Why am I talking like this? Okay, let me go back down. One focuses on external duty. (laughs) I love that word duty, but anyway, because that's exactly what it is. When you're just trying to work your way, you can't work your way to the kingdom of God. It's just duty. I'm good duty. (laughs) I don't know. It smells, but it's good. No, it's bad. No matter how you duty, it doesn't work. One focuses on external duties and the other focus on internal desire. And the Bible says that it's him that works in us to do his good work, his good pleasure. How many want God to work in you? Amen. It's one thing to work for God. It's another thing for God to work in you. And when God begins to work in you, then not only will you won't work for God, you'll begin to work with God. How many have felt like you've been working for God or working against God? God is saying today, fall in love with me and begin to work with me. How many ever felt like you were working for your wife? You know, you got the honey-do list. You know, you got to, man, I feel like am I an employee here? Am I getting paid? Is this, am I getting compensation? Like what's going on here? But how many know it's a different thing if I look at it like I'm working for her than if I'm working with her? Baby, we're going to do this thing together. We're going we're gonna to sweep the floor. We're going to clean up. We're going to mop. Guess what? There's a, there's a joy that comes into my house. How many know what I'm talking about? All the husbands, you better be saying amen right now. And so God wants us to work with him. Families should be working. Look at some of the husbands ain't even looking. They just like looking at their wives like, I hope he just don't start to keep on talking about this stuff because I ain't going to clean nothing. (laughs) I ain't getting paid. You're not supposed to get paid. (laughs) And so one focuses on, so the gospel really is focusing on him and what he has done, receiving his love and, and gaining a desire inside to serve and to live for him. And the other part of it says that he, the other part of the gospel was that he was buried and that he raised, as the scripture says. And I love this scripture because, I love both of these because they say, as the scripture says. You see that in both of them. It says that uh, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and he was buried. Why is it saying according to the scriptures? It's saying that because in the Old Testament, uh, which was written hundreds of years before Jesus' birth, it contains over 300 prophecies. I'm, I've only probably received 20 prophecies. And Jesus here, he has 300 prophecies about him, right? Uh, That he fulfilled. Somebody say he fulfilled them. Everything that the Old Testament said would happen, it happened. I don't have time to run through the list, but I mean, from him being pierced in the side to uh, him being held. I mean, there's so many uh, scriptures that point to this. Mathematically, just for all my, you know, book nerds here, mathematically speaking, the odds of anyone fulfilling this amount of prophecy are staggering mathematicians put it this way one person fulfilling eight prophecies is the chance of one in one quadrillion how many know that's a lot of numbers that's a lot of zeros y'all one person fulfilling 48 prophecies is one chance in 10 to the 157th power one person fulfilling 300 plus prophecies only jesus somebody say only jesus and, and, and we have books, and you can go ahead and look for Case for Christ. There's this new movies out, and it just proves over and over again that Jesus is the real deal. Amen? And so, one, uh, we see that the gospel is Christ died for our sins. Two, that he was buried and raised. I'm giving some of you ammunition when you go out today. And then the third one is that he appeared to many, and may I add that he's still appearing right now to many. He appeared to me. He appeared to many of you. 
So we were part of a, um, uh, um, a mission where we actually heard a lady from Pakistan. The same exact thing happened where God met her supernaturally and led her to a Bible study where she gave her life to the Lord. How many would like the Lord to lead somebody to your house so they can uh, receive Jesus? Come on. He, he still wants to do it right now. This isn't 3,000 years ago, God. This is maybe five, ten years ago. I think it was actually four years ago that this happened. God can do it right now in our life. How many want that to happen? I do. I want it to happen. He is still appearing. And when, and you notice that when he comes, there's such a change. When he comes, you really, you really realize how dark darkness is and how light really is, how light light is. Amen. And so while I was thinking about this and I was thinking about that scripture that I read earlier about when we were buried with him, that we actually were raised with him in the newness of life. I, I felt like the Lord gave me a word for those that are here today, and, and I really want you to write this down, and I want you to declare this over your life this week, this year, because I believe that this is what the Lord is saying, and it's also a word for our church, but I feel like the Lord is doing a couple things. Number one, I believe that this is the season of restoration, that we're, God, we're going to see the res- restoration of God. We're going to see God restore things. To restore means to bring it back to its original value. You know, God doesn't throw anything away. Aren't you glad that God didn't throw you away? We say it like this here that God doesn't throw you away. He doesn't throw things away. He redeems it. Amen. That means he buys it back. Aren't you glad for the blood of Jesus that purchased you back from the place of sin and darkness? And the scripture here, I love it in Joel 2, 25 to 26. He said, I will. Who's going to do it? God is going to do it. I will restore you to the years that the swarming locust has eaten. How many feel like you've had some swarming locusts around you? Come on. (laughs) I know we don't really know what that is, but it's really bad. All right. The hopper. Oh my gosh, the hopper. That just sounds bad. Um, the destroyer. Come on now. You guys know how many know that the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy? How many felt like some things have been destroyed in your life? You've been trying to move forward. You've been trying. Maybe it's a business. Maybe it's a relationship. And it just seems like things have been destroyed. The cutter. My great army, which I sent among you, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never again be put to shame. I believe we're coming into the season where we're never again going to be put the shame. I believe that many of you have felt shame. You have felt embarrassment. You have felt like, man, I'm living for God and all this bad stuff has happened and destroyers, locusts. But the Lord says that I'm coming and I'm coming with restoration. In Job 40, Two verse ten it says, and the Lord restored the fortune of Job. If anybody knows the 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 story of Job or Job or however you want to say it, no, it's Job. But if you if you ever read the story of him, he, you know everything was taken. His body was touched, uh, and and his children were uh, uh, the house fell on him, and which is a horrible thing. His wife even told him, you know, just curse God and die. And but he just gave God the worship. He gave God the praise in the midst of it all. And this is the end of the story. It says that the Lord restored the fortune of Job when he had prayed for his friends and the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. I believe God wants to give you twice as much as you had before. I believe that there's a double portion. That means I believe God wants to give you double for your trouble. How many receive that right now? I want double for my trouble. I don't know about you, but I've been through some things. I've experienced some things and I'm still experiencing some things. And that's me being transparent because many times when we see a preacher, we think he should have it all together. How many know I don't got it all together? Don't answer that. 
<laughs> but the truth, the truth is, is that God wants to bring restoration into your home. Grab your wife's hand or the person next to you if you're a family member and just say, God's bringing restoration into our home. Amen. Uh, God is bring restoring the things that were lost, the things that were stolen, the things that were destroyed, the things that were cut down. God is bringing restoration in Jesus' name. And I also believe in this newness of life that God is also renaming some things in your life. Come on, somebody. Isaiah 62, 2 says, the nations will see your righteousness and all the kings your glory and you will be called by a new name. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus, which the mouth of the Lord will designate. So God has a new name for you, I believe, in this season. And where maybe people would have seen you one way, they're going to see you in a whole nother way. You know, one thing that God did in my life, and I'm still a worship leader at heart. I still love to lead worship. We still lead worship here. But one thing that I felt like the Lord uh, put in my heart is that that used to be who I was. That was my identity was I was a worship leader. But how many know God put way more in me than just worship? Praise the Lord. And God raised up this church and is going to raise up other churches. Somebody say praise the Lord. And I want to tell you that God wants to rename you. And when he says renaming, that also means God wants to give you a fresh identity. First, he wants you to see yourself in a different way. Amen. God wants you to see yourself like he sees you. He sees you as love. He sees you as forgiven. He sees you as brave. He sees you as courageous. How do you see yourself? In this season, God wants to rename you. He wants you to see yourself in a whole new light. And I'm telling you, you know, a lot of times we want people to see us differently, but not until we see ourselves differently, we begin to walk that out and live that out. That's when other people are going to notice and kings are going to say, whoa, what is that on that person? I remember we were living in Germany and I was going through probably the toughest time in my life with my wife, not, not us relationally, but just in, in ministry. And I remember going into a restaurant right after church and, and this guy, and we went through the whole thing, you know, ate at this pizza place and it was a Turkish man that owned the business. And as we're walking out, the guy comes up to me. I mean, he almost blocks me and said, what is it about you? And I'm like, well, hello, how are you doing too? You know? And he's like, what is it about you? And I, and he said, there's so much peace over you. I'm like, do you know the battle I'm going through? Do you know the struggle? But what was he seeing? He was seeing God in me. Amen. You could be going through your worst storm. You could be going through your worst trial, but still because of the love of God and how much he cares for you, that when people look at you, they don't see the same thing. They see peace and they see something that they need. Somebody say, praise the Lord. I believe the Lord wants to rename you today. I believe that he's renaming your season. Whatever season you were just in, I feel like you need to ask God, what is the name that you have designated for the season over my life? I believe that God gave me a name for my season. You know what the name of my new season is? It's harvest time. That's my new season. I believe that our season as a family, the Edwards house, that is harvest time. You need to ask God, what's the name of my new season, Lord? And guess what? If, if it's harvest time for my house, that means it's harvest time for relentless. Somebody say praise the Lord. And I believe the Lord is saying, rename your season. Not only does he want to say, but he wants you to speak it. He wants you to declare it. The Bible says that the worlds, and that's not the cosmos, it's not the Greek word cosmos, but it's actually the place of influence. He said your worlds are framed by the word that you speak. And so when we speak his word over our seasons, things begin to shift. Things begin to change. Things begin to make sense. Somebody say it's harvest time. I don't know. Whatever your season is, you need to declare it. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, whoever is a believer in Christ is a new creation. The old way of living has disappeared. It's vanished. 
a new way of living has come into existence. I just want to declare over you today as a now word from the Lord that we are coming into a new name. We're coming into, God wants you to rename your season. Maybe your season was barren. Maybe your last season was lack. Maybe your last season was this. Ask the Lord, what is the name of my new season? And then lastly, I believe that with the restoration and renaming, that when we come into this place of the new life of God, that we can walk in resurrection power. Somebody say resurrection power. Amen. Romans 6, 4 says, therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also also should walk in the newness of life. And, you know, my mom used to tell me, Malik, you know, gravity, you know, like I used to jump off of stuff. And she said, Malik, whatever goes up, you know, it's going to come down. If you jump up, you're going to come down. So just watch where you land. But in God's kingdom, it works totally different. God says whatever goes down must come up. And I want to declare over you today that no matter how far you went down, no matter how low you've been, no matter how depressed or discouraged or whatever, that it's your time to come up. Somebody say, I'm coming up. Come on. Somebody say, I'm coming up. I'm coming up. I'm coming up. This is your season to come up. This is your season. Whatever dreams that you died, whatever thing, uh, things that you wish were, were, would be better in your life, whatever things you felt like discouraged you and held you. Is anybody here today? Is anybody around? Am I talking to anybody here today? I believe this is your season of the come up. Somebody say, I'm coming back up. I, I like the like the little things in the 80s when you used to punch them and they used to, you know, hit you back. You know, if you didn't look, you hit them and you turn around and boom, they hit you right back. God, God wants to do that in your life. He wants you to bounce back. Amen. And, and you know, even though the seed, it goes into the ground and it seems to die, what happens? There's a, there's a transformation that begins to happen. And the very thing that, that, it, that, it, that you think is dead, but inside of it, there's a movement. And maybe you feel like you've been in a place of darkness. You've been in a place where you feel like you're not being seen. You feel like your voice is not being heard. Your dreams are not coming to pass. I want to tell you, it's just a matter of time before you come up out of the ground. Amen. You were just, you're in a time of transformation. You know, I used to tell people that we go from glory to glory. That's what the scripture says. It says we go from glory to glory. And sometimes we're not in the place called glory. We're in the place called two. We're in that in-between place. And that place can be a mysterious. That place can be, but trust and believe that it's only a moment of time, a matter of time before you rise up from that place. Somebody say amen to that. Come on, I'm preaching better than y'all amen today. Praise the Lord. I don't know about you, but I'm coming up and I'm naming my season. Harvest time. Glory to God. I'm not just talking about for the church. It's harvest time in my life. The seeds that I've planted over the years, they're coming up from the ground. What have you planted? What seed are you having the ground that you're saying it's time to it's time to re- get repaid? It's time to it's time to harvest. It's time to bring it into my home, and not only just in the church, but also when I go out in the streets. One of the greatest things that I'm believing for in this season is to be able to tell people about the love of Jesus, to tell people how much God loves them. It's harvest time. People are ready to hear the word of the Lord. I mean, bombs are dropping everywhere. Everybody's afraid. People don't know where to look. I want to tell you, there's one name above every name, above every political party. Praise the Lord. And his name is Jesus. Amen. Look at this. Revelations 21, 5 through 6, and I'm done. It says, he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Somebody just say to yourself, God is making everything new. 
I feel like this is hard for some of you to receive that you're saying like, Lord, how can you do it? He said the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is able to quicken your mortal body. The same power that raised him up is the same power that can move inside of your life and turn everything that was down, bring it up, to rename it, to bring restoration, to bring reconciliation. That's the power that I'm talking about that God wants to work in your life. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and to the thirsty. Is anybody thirsty today? I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Can we get our worship team to come up, please, and just play the anthem a little bit? I want to tell you today that the Lord, I really believe that this was a word from the Lord for you guys and also for myself. As I was praying yesterday, just kind of asking the Lord, what is he saying? I had this amazing vision well, first, I, you know, I, I knew he wanted me to talk about all things becoming new. And so he said, I just want you to declare that over the people. But I kept hitting like these blocks, you know. Sometimes when you're riding, you're preparing, especially for masses or groups of people. You just try to find out where is everybody at? Where Where is everybody going? And so as I was praying, uh, the Lord gave me a vision and I saw this hallway, this, this little hallway right here before you come into the theater. I saw this hallway filled uh, with people. People in droves were just coming into this hallway and they were coming and they were, you know, they weren't fighting each other, but you could tell there was an anticipation and there was an expectation to come into the service, to come and be a part of what God was doing. And every time I would pray, so this is over a period of 30 minutes, I would try to see something else or ask God, what are you trying to say? But all I kept seeing was these people coming and coming and coming and coming. And then I said, Lord, what are you saying? I don't get it. Even my wife came in and I said, baby, I keep having this vision and I keep seeing this. What do you think it means? And she would just say, I don't know, just keep praying. And I said, okay. So I just kept praying. And as I was just sitting there in my chair and I just began to seek the Lord more, I saw Jesus come and he came right behind the people. And as he became behind the people, he said to me, he said, Malik, I am the beginning and I am the end. And little did I know when I began to go through my message after that, later on, I looked up and I said, there has to be a scripture about all things becoming new besides in Romans. And as I looked at revelations in the scripture that we just read, Right after he says all things have become new, he, he then says that I am what? The Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. And I felt like the Lord was drawing a picture for me. And I felt like the Lord is even saying now, can we just stand up on our feet right here? That not only is everything becoming new in our life, but he wants to let you know that he was there in the beginning and he's going to be there in the end for you. That maybe some of you feel like that you don't, you know, like maybe you've been left. Maybe you've been rejected. Maybe you felt like things just didn't work out the way that uh, you plan them to, but the Lord is saying to you today that he is in the beginning and that he is at the end, that he is the alpha and that he is the omega. He will be there. He was there in the past and he will meet you in your future. I want you to believe God. Yeah. Give the Lord some praise for that. I'm telling you, God is the alpha and the omega in your life. He is the beginning and the end. And I believe him coming. He's coming behind. See, my dream is that this place will be filled with people. That's my dream. And what he's saying when he comes behind the people is saying, League, I'm the one who causes your dreams to come to pass. What is your dream? What's coming down the hallway of your life? What's coming down the hallway of, of your expectation? What is coming down that way? Whatever it is, Jesus is saying, I am the beginning and I am the end. I will cause your dreams to come to pass. I will cause the very desires of your heart for your family, for your marriage, for your children, for your community. I will cause those dreams to come to pass. And so I want to encourage you today. 
I want to encourage you today that he loves you so much that he has he's a great big God and that nothing is impossible for him he is making all things new in your life come on grab hands with somebody maybe your wife or whoever's next to you you don't have to grab hands with somebody if you don't feel like it because I know people's hands be sweaty it's just kind of weird grab hands with you Father, we just want to thank you right now that you're making all things new in our life. And I believe that everyone that came today, that they're going to see, even if it's just in seed form, the beginning of a new season. They're going to see the beginning of something new in their life. And God, we thank you for your presence that's here even now. Just, just receive it. The presence of God is here. I don't know if you ever felt it, experienced it, but the presence of God is breaking open in this place. The king of glory is coming in. He's coming in and he's saying, I am the alpha and I am the omega. I am the beginning and the end. What I say is true. You need to write it down. Praise the Lord. So, Father, we thank you for your movement amongst our people. We thank you for what you're doing in this place in Jesus' name. Now, listen, if you've never given Jesus your heart with every eye closed, every head bowed, if you just say today, Malik, I've never given my life over to this this alpha and this omega i've never given myself over to this person i never given myself over i don't i never heard this gospel that it's all about what he's done and all i have to do is receive the love of god just with every head bowed as a time of just just seeking him if you say malik today i want to give my heart to jesus i want to live for him this is not about coming to church this is not about giving in the offering this is not about just reading your bible this is about a relationship with the king of glory a relationship with the same god who met this woman in a dream and said your son is healed this god is here right now if you want to turn your life over to him, if you want to give your life, you don't have to understand it all. All you have to know right now is that he loves you, that he paid a price for you, that he died for you, that he rose again, and he's coming back again for you. If you believe that today, by faith, with every head bowed, on the count of three, I just want you to lift up your hand to the Lord. And you're not going to, nobody's going to see it except for me right now. But we want to, we do this as an act of the heart, that this is your heart commitment to the Lord and saying, Lord, I need more of you. So right now on the count of three, one, he's knocking at the door of your heart right now. He wants to come in. He wants you to live for him because he wants to, he wants to lavish you with his love. Two, come on, he's knocking a little bit louder now. And you're, you're, you're feeling the anxiety. You're saying, God, I got to open this door. I don't want to miss my moment. This is my moment right now. Three, come on. If that's you, lift up your hand. If you say, I want to give my heart to Jesus. I see that hand right there. I see that hand right there. I see that hand right there. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you. I see that hand right there. Thank you, Lord. Now all of us, let's lift all our hands together and let's pray this prayer and say, God, I need you. You are the beginning and the end. I am a sinner. I've done wrong things. And I'm asking today that you would forgive me, that you would wash me, and that you would cleanse me. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and that he is the only way to the Father, and that he died for me, and he rose in three days, and he's coming back again, even if it was only me. I give you my heart. I want to live for you because you died for me. I receive your love. I receive your forgiveness. I receive my new identity in you. In Jesus' name. 
Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand clap. Amen. Come on, you can do better than that. Let's give the Lord a big hand clap. If you prayed that prayer today, I want to tell you that you are no longer the same, that you have already come into the message that I preach. He has renamed you, and he has called you beloved. He's called you daughter. He's called you son. Listen, there are connections.